0: In the recent past, we're seeing African leaders become more and more emboldened and talk about the global um, iniquity when it comes to finances, how African governments are able to borrow, where they borrow from, the rate at which they borrow at. And there's this other thing that the president of Ghana spoke about, and the president of Kenya reiterated it, credit rating system. While in Ghana, maybe the credit rating systems were were in their line in you know, um, lowering the credit rating um, score for Ghana, the president of Kenya says we really need to rethink the metrics that they use to lower credit rating scores, because um, for those of you who are not like in the finance and business world, your credit rating score. But again, like it's it's just the same. It's just if you have a good credit uh, score, personally, you're able to access more um, money at better rates because you're a good borrower. It's the same thing with countries. If your credit rating score is not great, then nobody wants to give you money because you're high risk. But then what metrics are you using to determine the fact that I am high risk, you know. Um, Are you factoring in global economic shocks? Are you factoring in the fact that I'm borrowing at higher interest rates? Are you factoring in that I'm rich in resources more than all of you and you come to exploit my resources, but when it comes to giving me money, you term me high risk, yet I have something
1: very valuable that you're always coming to me for? The entire system of risk assessment and the opaque methodologies employed by credit rating agencies and risk analysis needs to be overhauled at the minimum. We must all recall the miscalculation of subprime mortgage risks by these agencies two decades ago which precipitated a financial crisis whose effects reverberate to date. And ask the following question. On what basis should we believe that their methodologies are better at assessing risk in faraway frontier markets like ours that are far much more complicated to measure objectively than in assessing the value of financial assets in the markets where they actually operate, and which they got so disastrously wrong? If they got it wrong, then, I bet you they have it wrong now.
0: Hello there, peeps. How are you doing? Welcome to another episode of Our Conversations. My name is Ondero Ganga. I'm a business journalist by profession and a digital content creator. I love coming on here, talking to you guys about Black people, Africa, our empowerment, and how we can rise up and take our rightful place at the global stage. Connect with me on social media at Ondero Uganda where I document my work and my life as a business journalist and a travel content creator I originally come from Kenya though I've traveled to different parts of the continent and live in different countries um, As the years go by because of work and because I want to explore the continent And I will be in Kenya very soon and let me know because While politics is an integral part of the content that I do I want to showcase different parts of the continent in different ways, in the food, in the people, in the culture, in the music. So let me know when I go back home to Kenya, would you like to see that? Would you like to see authentic Kenyan dishes and how they are made in the villages? Would you like to hear stories of just Kenyans who are overcoming adversity? Would you like to hear stories of maybe people from the diaspora who've relocated to Kenya now enough of my daydreaming, because I think um, just the thought of Africa really excites me and it's very important that we rewrite the narrative ourselves. And that's exactly what the president of Kenya is doing. He's saying it's time we rewrite some of the things so how we relate with Africa and the narrative that we spew about Africa, because um, we are seeing a lot of push and pull between the Western world and the global South, right? The global South being all the other poor guys. So the Global North has always dictated the way of doing things, the global order, and the Global South almost has to adapt whether it suits them or not, whether it works for them or not. Take, for example, the recently concluded Africa Climate Summit. Um, the America is one of the biggest emitters, the biggest emitter after China emitting 14% of um, greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. And the biggest people who pay the price are Africa because we do not have enough resources. We do not have the technology. We do not have resources for adaptation and mitigation. Then the American envoy in Kenya, John Kerry, comes and says, um, we're not gonna pay. We're not gonna pay because we find um, what you're asking for as punitive. Punitive, when you started COP27 and had a conversation and agreed that the biggest emitters are going to contribute $100 million for climate adaptation and mitigation, you change the narrative and you come and say, oh, we can only pay when it's not punitive. How is it punitive, yet you're the one polluting the environment and causing drought and causing flooding? I'm currently in Rwanda. There was a landslide in um, April and May, and currently food prices in the country are really high because of... Adverse weather conditions, and who gets to suffer from this? Rwandans and Africans as America continues to industrialize and develop. So when you're asked to pay, we're not not being punitive. We're just asking you to do your due diligence. If you mess the kitchen, you do the dishes. And that's what President Ruto was talking about. He was saying, because of the global iniquity that you've perpetuated for very many years, now when we fight back, it almost looks like it's east versus west. It's global south versus global north. And it's time we sit back down at the conversation and rethink the direction that we want.
1: Developed versus developing, rich versus poor, polluters versus victims, and net emitters versus net victims, which complicate and frustrates multilateralism is the inevitable result of promises not kept, commitments not actualized, resolutions not honored, and principles not observed multilateralism has been failed by abuse of trust, negligence, and impunity. A year ago, I stood in this assembly hall to call upon the global community to transform the UN system in order to achieve a consensus-driven, rules-based, multilateral system which works for the people of the world in their diversity. It is time for multilateralism to reflect the voice of the farmers, represent the hopes of villagers, champion the aspirations of pastoralists, defend the rights of fisher folk, express the dreams of traders, respect the wishes of workers, and indeed protect the welfare of all peoples of the world. In the face of the most urgent crisis of our time, it is now clear that the international community has fallen seriously behind in meeting its targets in both climate action and the implementation of the sustainable development goals, as well as their underlying enabler, peace, and security. We as Africa have come to the world not to ask for arms, charity, or handouts, but to work with the rest of the global community to give every human being in this world a decent chance of security and prosperity by taking necessary actions, mobilising...
0: Another thing that President Trudeau spoke about that stood out was the fact that it's time to reform the global financial system. Um, I'll get into this a little bit in detail because um, lending in Africa has always been, or rather lending to Africa has always been a very controversial issue. If you look at international lenders, they'll tell you that Africa is a high risk market. And so we have to be very careful when we're giving them money. Being careful means we're going to give you money but at very high interest rates because we don't know if you'll be able to pay back and it comes with conditionalities take for example when the imf gives you money it comes with conditionality such as taxes because the imf wants to be sure that you can pay them back their money but the problem comes with you need the money you genuinely do need the money because you need to um you need to fill up your budget deficit and many african countries have very big budget deficits most of them are over 10 percent of the gdp or, or, or of the total budget rather forgive me for that most of the Budget deficits in Africa are about ten percent of the GDP. Very few countries do seven percent or five percent of the total budget that year. So you need money to fill um, your budget deficit. You need money for infrastructure development. You need money for healthcare, for education, for for building roads. And you can only source that money from international financial organizations. That is a given. You need it, but then the interest rates at which they give you are so high they're very very high that's the thing because they look at you and they say um if you need money for your budget really your finances are not at a great place if you need money to sustain yourself you're not at a good place so what guarantee do i have that you will pay me back my money And when you start struggling paying them back their money and the economy is not doing well because of so many issues, including COVID-19 pandemic, whether we like it or not, um, global supply chain issues caused by the Russian invasion of Ukraine, because Africa heavily depends on these countries for grain and fertilizer, which are are key for agriculture on the continent, then you look at them and say, "Um, no, you become way too risky. We are going to lower your ratings. And the more you lower their ratings, the more you're telling lenders that these people are more and more risky. And while it's okay to give them that metrics, you're hurting these African countries because now borrowing becomes harder, they're locked out of the market. And if they borrow, they even borrow at higher, which means paying back is going to be difficult. And that's what President William Brutto is saying. We need to re-examine what metrics you use for credit rating score, because It has crashed before in Europe where you people are based. So what makes you so 100% sure that your metrics are spot on in Africa?
1: No meaningful climate action or development can take place in conditions of financial distress. According to IMF data, as of last month, 10 low income countries were already in debt distress and 52 are at high or moderate risk of falling into debt distress. The 3.3 billion people in these countries are trapped in a vicious circle of emergency responses, reconstruction, and recovery from more frequent climate shocks, which diverts resources away from both development and climate action, and sucking vulnerable countries into a downward spiral of debt and environmental stress. The global community must therefore develop a debt restructuring initiative that does not wait for nations to plunge over the cliff into debt distress before providing relief. Rather, the new sovereign debt architecture should extend the tenure of sovereign debt and provide a 10-year grace period for countries that are in debt distress. The second financing intervention relates to concessional financing. It is time to work with the international financial institutions to provide more concessional loans, approximately to the tune, in our estimation, of about $500 billion, billion and to provide increased liquidity support through special drawing rights with a minimum target of what was obtained during the covid pandemic of 650 billion access should be based on specific needs not entitlement and this necessitates changes to the allocation mechanism different from what we saw during SDRs for COVID. The third critical reform is that of the financial market reorganization. The entire system of risk assessment and the opaque methodologies employed by credit rating agencies and risk analysis needs to be overhauled at the minimum. We must all recall the miscalculation of subprime mortgage risks by these agencies two decades ago, which precipitated a financial crisis whose effects reverberate to date, and ask the following question. On what basis should we believe that their methodologies are better at assessing risk in faraway frontier markets like ours that are far much more complicated? to measure objectively than in assessing the value of financial assets in the markets where they actually operate, and which they got so disastrously wrong. If they got it wrong then, I bet you, they have it wrong now. In any case, any objective rating must also take into account principles of responsible sovereign lending and accounting, specifically emphasizing the need for international accounting systems that supports the proper valuation of mineral wealth, natural capital, and ecosystem services in the computation of national GDPs. Until that is done, very wealthy countries will be categorized as poor.
0: Well, that's all I had for you in this video. Let me know what you think of President Ruto's sentiments. I'll see you again next time. My name is Andiro Connect with me on social media, at Anderu Ganga on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'll see you again next time.